Well, good morning to you. Today is Monday, February 21st, 2022, and you are tuned in to the Reframe Brain Podcast, where we center brain health and unseen injuries. I am your founder and host and brain health champion, Erica Savage-Wilson, and I want to extend to you a very, very pleasant hello and a good morning. If you are new and joining us for the first time, welcome to the Reframe Brain family. I know that you will gain some exceptional and information, informative um, pieces of information that will help you as we journey through brain health together. Now, I want to issue just a little disclaimer that I am not a medical practitioner, nor am I a licensed therapist, counselor, psychologist, um, therapist, none of those things. My expertise is centered in that I sustained a traumatic brain injury while traveling for work in March of 2021. And through ongoing therapies, through active daily healing, I've been able to bring forth information that makes us more focused on why brain health is so very important because it touches everything in our own environment. So again, I welcome you to the Reframe Brain Podcast if you're watching by YouTube. If you would please hit the like and subscribe button to make sure that this information gets to you promptly and to also turn on your notifications so you'll know when on the first and third Monday of every month the Reframe Brain podcast drops a new episode. And if you happen to be listening to us through one of your select podcast platforms, whether that's Google Play, Apple, whether that's through Amazon Music and the variety of podcast platforms, that the Reframe Brain is available on, I'd like to say a very, very happy Monday to you and welcome to the third episode of the Reframe Brain podcast. So we have the introduction. Um, we've also had uh, ways to create an environment of healing. And this month, February, which is um, Black History Month, most importantly, it is also the American Heart Association has deemed it Heart Health Month. So we're going to be talking about it. Then we had Valentine's Day this month. So we're going to wrap up the month of February talking about the love languages of the brain and the heart. The love languages of the brain and the heart. So you're asking me, so Erica, what, are you, what do you mean? What are the love languages of the brain and the heart? Well, they both communicate with us, right? They let us know when there's um, with the brain, when we experience some things that we're going to talk about in this episode insomnia and how uh, uh, um, medical practitioners have seen an increase of people that are suffering from insomnia since the start of the pandemic um, and the American Medical Association termed uh, that um, particular um, incidents that we've been, uh, folks have been experiencing coronasomnia. So we're gonna be talking about that and then as it relates to the heart, the love languages of the heart, what speaks to the heart? Well, there are a variety of things that speaks to the heart, and much of what speaks to the heart is also what speaks to the brain. So we're gonna be talking about the importance of walking. We're gonna be talking about the importance of mindfulness. All of these things, the love languages of the brain and the heart. So let's go ahead and get into it. Um, we already just um, talked about what the American Medical Association termed what um, people, uh, what is being now called coronasomnia. I'm gonna give you the definition of it. I'm gonna read it to you. So coronasomnia is specifically sleep problems related to the pandemic. That's the long short of it. It's a disruption of sleep or increase of sleep problems 
during the global pandemic and it's centered around the anxiety, the stress, and um, some for some people, depression that they've been experiencing through the pandemic. You can think about it. There's worrying throughout the day. Did I wash my hands enough times? Did I Do I have the right mask when I'm going out to engage with others or having to go to work? Whatever it is, even if you're in your own house and there's intergenerational people that are within your house, and for some people they've had to wear masks around their house, um, are they keeping themselves and other people around them safe? safe? There's an abundance of anxiety, worry, and stressors. So um, the term is coronasomnia. Now, this is not saying that you are specifically suffering from that, but if you've noticed that your sleep pattern has been um, not the same as it was prior to the pandemic, you may be experiencing coronasomnia. And as a matter of fact, the American Heart Association, the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of National Heart, excuse me, the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of National Health Institutes um, says that, and this is on the American Heart Association's website, about 50 to 70 million adults do not get enough sleep or have a sleep disorder. So that is, you think about, we've got about 300 million people in here. That's about a quarter if you go to the large part, the 70 million. Um, and on the lower part, you're talking about maybe a sixth of the population. This is the adult population experiencing um, some type of sleep disruption. The first thing that you always want to do is you want to consult your primary care doctor. Um, one thing that I would say as we um, continue to discuss love languages of the brain and the heart is that the first of the year, or perhaps it's not the first of the year for you, but think about the first, the first of the month, right? One time throughout the year, have blood work done so that you can find out what is happening in your body and you get a great um, blood, um, a good report, a clean bill of health, so to speak, that's excellent. If there are some things that perhaps you can um, look and see when you discuss those lab results with your primary care physician to say, okay, we're seeing something here, we're seeing something, it may be benign or something that is giving us a little bit of pause. Um, are you exercising? Are you eating well? These are things that you wanna pick up on. And then we'll look again in whatever time that that physician deems. Get your blood work done one time throughout the year so that you can find out what is happening and be more preventative than responsive to something that um, we can find out um, that could be a little bit more advanced in its stage at the time. So number one, making sure that we get blood work done um, the first of the year, or at least if you think about, okay, it's the first of this month, I haven't had it done in January, February, it's the first of March, it's the first of April, it's the first of September, it's the first of November, getting that blood work done so you will have um, a report on what is happening within your body. So when we talk about coronasomnia, insomnia, um, and thinking about love languages um, of the brain and the heart, one of the love languages of the brain and heart is sleep. So if your sleep has been disrupted due to the pandemic, or perhaps you are a person that suffers with insomnia, let's talk a little bit about sleep and 
how and why that is a love language um, of the brain and of the heart. I'm gonna read a little bit to you. So sleep is key for the brain because this is when the brain actually cleans. It cleans toxins and waste. And some of those toxins and waste are things that contribute to um, what I've um, described as a terrible, awful disease, Alzheimer's disease, right? And so when we get not just sleep, but appropriate sleep, the CDC has deemed that adults between the ages of 18 and 65 need about seven hours of sleep. Seven to nine is good, but at least a good seven hours of sleep and that different sleep um, um, sleep institutes, sleep organizations have said that going to bed for adults in between 10 and 11 o'clock is ideal so that your body can go through the non-REM and get the REM sleep that it so requires. But as we talk about the brain and the heart, going back to what we were just talking about as when what sleep does, when we get the appropriate sleep or during the appropriate time, it does serve as a way to clean. And we can think of it as this way. When you look at um, perhaps a room in your home, um, if that room is not cleaned one day, um, and then you look at the next day it's not clean, you start to notice a buildup. Well, the same thing happens in our brain. When we don't get the appropriate sleep during the um, ideal best times for us to sleep, that's waste buildup. And what scientists have also discovered in looking at what sleep does for the brain and the way of cleaning it is that um, we want this process um, to happen. It is known as diffusion when the brain does clean itself. Um, fluid, the fluid that cleans the brain tissue, that fluid is known as cerebral spiral, spiral fluid. And that, systems that, that system that carries out um, this actual process is called the glymphatic system. It is um, mirrored like the lymphatic system, which works the body. Well, what's specific to the brain because of the specific cells um, that uh, house within the brain, this is called the glymphatic system. So it is actually a cleaning process that our brain absolutely needs. And it happens when we're doing what we do over about one quarter or a third of our human lives, which is sleep. So if you want to express the love a love language to your brain and to your heart, specifically to your brain and to your heart, but to your entire body, you want to make sure that you're getting adequate sleep. Now, you're saying, okay, well, Erica, you know, it's difficult for me to go to sleep. I have so many things that I have to do. I have a business I'm running. I have children. Understandably so. I can understand those things. And, and also understanding that just as those things have a level of priority in your life, your body, you have a priority as well. Your body is an instrument. You are divine intelligence and ensuring that you're able to stay in um, optimized form. You want to do something that your body requires in order for one of the most powerful and complex organs in the body, which is the brain, to be able to have its own way of cleaning as well. So 10 and 11 o'clock at night, making that a habit or a target to go to bed at night. 
Some of the things that I would suggest are, particularly if you have younger kids, you want to make sure those kids are getting to bed a little bit early. Around the eight o'clock time frame um, is what um, different research groups um, recommend for young children um, to be in the bed. For yourself, you get the young children to bed, um, you start your process of actually preparing yourself um, for good sleep, and that's called sleep hygiene. So some of the things that you wanna do, you don't wanna be exercising two or three hours before you go to bed, right? You want to have gone ahead and have had your dinner. Um, your devices, one thing that I strongly recommend is actually taking the notifications and preparing to go ahead and switch them to an off position or to a sleep position so that by the time you're actually in your bed and preparing for sleep, you're not turning over that screen of your phone and looking at that light. We were not built to have all of that screen, artificial light um, emitting always around us. So going ahead and having a timer so that the notifications for your social media, for texts and things of that nature, that that is on the decline um, at least a, a couple of hours before you go to bed. Also, if you're a person that has perhaps work things in your bedroom, to move those items, laptops, um, any type of equipment that will cause you to get into your work mode, you would want to remove those things out of your bedroom. If you're limited in space, um, put it away, tuck it away up under your bed or you, if you have a closet or perhaps if you have a nightstand, just tuck it away so it's not something that you can see. And if you're a person who likes to have the television on, um, Amazon Prime Video um, has some really, really good soundscapes and they have a blacked out screen so that you can listen to the sound but not be awakened or have um, that blue light emitting um, as you prepare to go to sleep. If you don't have a television in your bedroom, which is great for you, um, have something on like um, some noise or rain, something very soft. And if perhaps that doesn't work for you, um, reading something that won't, not necessarily maybe a page turner, something that'll kind of almost bore you to go to sleep. So doing that also helps. And um, making that a routine so by the time you get to the 10 o'clock mark your body you have already done the work of preparing your body for bed you've already taken a nice shower you've already taken a nice bath excuse me you've already um, gotten to that place where you are really ready to tuck away up under your sheets and prepare for bed one of the things that um, i mentioned in the last podcast around kind of giving yourself, creating an environment with healing, is having herbal tea or uh, a kind of decaffeinated tea. I prefer decaffeinated green tea. It is excellent way for me, my body understands that when we have that cup of green tea um, a little bit before bedtime, that we're, we're tuning it in. And it's a nice warm hug um, to the insides of my body. So if you want to speak a really, really powerful love language, to your brain and to your heart as well, sleep. And so now you're saying, okay, well, Erica, how does sleep impact the heart? Well, let's talk about that. The lack of sleep, according um, to Health Institute, it compromises immunity, 
which leaves us open to becoming um, more prone to illness and more prone to infection. So if we don't get a good amount of quality sleep, you'll notice that when you wake up in the morning, you feel a little groggy, you don't feel your best self, and lack of sleep also um, causes us not to be as sharp, be able to focus, and it impacts our recall. And as it relates specifically to the heart, lack of sleep, when we're talking about compromised immunity, because we know that the heart is an organ um, that has four chambers and those, chamber, and those um, operational chambers are muscles in themselves, we're talking about what lack of sleep does for the heart. Um, high blood pressure, um, for people that don't suffer with it, it can lead into high blood pressure. Um, the uh, National Health Institute on Heart, Lug, and Blood um, also say that it leads to heart disease, kidney disease. Um, it makes people predisposed to di um, diabetes, stroke, and obesity. So these are all diseases and conditions that specifically impact the heart. Lack of sleep does that. Again, go through those again. And this is from the um, National Health um, Institute, the Heart, Lung, and Blood Institutes. Those collective health institutes are telling us that they lead to heart disease, kidney disease, um, make one makes one pre-diabetic, um, increases the likelihood of stroke, obesity, obesity, and they've also noted that um, elevated cholesterol levels as well. So sleep greatly impacts everything around us. Um, and so we want to make sure again for adults in between the ages of 18 and 65 that we're getting at least a good seven hours of sleep so that number one, as we said before, our brain can do uh, the cleaning of the, um, uh, the, or the detox, however it is that you want to word that, but that brain tissue can be cleaned of those toxins and waste that have been collected throughout the day when it's active. We're taking in all of these messages throughout the day, um, even not even um, aware of all of the messaging that we're taking out throughout the day that our brain has an opportunity to actually do its own house cleaning. And for our heart specifically, that we want to make sure we're getting good sleep so we do not make ourselves predisposed to heart disease, kidney disease, elevated levels of cholesterol, high blood pressure, um, um, making ourselves predisposed to being diabetic, um, at risk of stroke and obesity as well. And so um, when we think about also um, what is um, the love language of the heart, in the brain, we've talked about sleep. There's also something that a lot of us think, well, I do that every day, but maybe not with the intent that perhaps we need to carry, and that is walking. So sleep and walking are love languages of the brain So, uh, and the heart. So you're saying, well, Erica, how is that a love language of the brain and the heart? Well, I'll share it with you. Um, it is great for the heart, um, and it's beneficial for both, um, because number one, um, as I've talked about and I continue to reiterate this, the brain is the most powerful and complex organ that we have. Um, and also the heart is our primary organ of our circulatory system. 
two very important um, organs that carry out very specific functions. The brain actually messages to the heart. So the brain is the CEO of the heart. So we want to keep both of those happy and in harmony and walking does that. Um, what walking also does is it impacts um, our sleep. It also impacts our mental health, um, which is um, very, very, very impactful around brain health. And it then yields net positives for our cardiovascular system, which is our heart. Um, it is a good moderate exercise. And in that we can practice mindfulness. Mindfulness is being very um, intentional about what it is that we observe, being very intentional and being very present um, in that time. So taking a 10, 15, 20 for some people, it's a 30 minute walk for some people, they walk um, upwards to an hour or more. When we are walking, being very present, um, observing if we live in an area where there's an abundance of trees, where we can hear birds, or if we live in an area where there's traffic, um, being very present around where you are and the fact that you are walking, that there's something happening that's allowing you to put one foot in front of the other, thinking about that we live on a planet called Earth, so we're literally sitting in the middle of space surrounded by solar system. Um, if the sun is shining, that the sun um, um, rises and then it sets. Um, being very um, present to notice if there's wind um, around you, that the wind is blowing and if there's not, if it's very quiet, just being very present in that quiet and thinking about um, your breath, how your body inhales, exhales and it does that even without you pu pushing a button that that is something that happens being very present walking that is a wonderful again moderate exercise and it allows you an opportunity to be present so whether you have on headphones or whether you choose not to have on headphones and be present you don't have to be walking uh, running excuse me even if there are people around you running um, a good walk is a really really excellent way to be engaged in the present and it is also you observing the love language of your brain and of your heart as well because walking is good for the heart and it is also excellent for the brain as well um and then it is um a real wonderful way to prevent those aforementioned diseases and conditions that we talked about before. Um, so this is the beauty of love languages. Uh, they are your own. So the way that you prepare yourself for sleep, um, make that something that it is something that you practice at um, every day. And if you don't get it right a couple of days or maybe it's three days out the week, don't tear yourself down, forgive yourself very quickly, and move into it again the next day. Good sleep health, good sleep hygiene uh, is wonderful for your body, uh, at, um, for your body. And if you're a person that perhaps you work at night and that you have to sleep during the day, um, ensuring that when you do sleep, that you are giving yourself the space and the time 
to really um, come down from your work day and to enter into um, good, um, good hours of sleep there as well. So I hope that this has been um, helpful for you. Um, we have talked about the love languages of the brain and the heart, which are sleep and are walking. And so if that's something that perhaps you have not been in practice of, make it a point that that is something that you are going to begin to do. And one thing that I believe is just wonderful doing is writing things down. Um, perhaps write down about three or four things that you want to make sure practice that you're doing. Put it somewhere where you're gonna see it every day. Um, for me, I have a couple different places in my home. Um, upstairs and downstairs that works wonderfully. One of the places I love to write things and put things um, is in the ensuite to say, okay, when I go in and have a seat in my bathroom that I understand that this is the preparation time for me to prepare for uh, to go to bed. And so I get a little bit excited around that. And also if you don't have any plant babies, plant babies are excellent as you can see um, to my left is my baby. I haven't um, shared with you their names, but I have names for all of my plants. Um, this is Cleopatra and this is Birdie. Um, so Cleopatra and Birdie help um, the environment um, of the home, but also if you have plants in your bedroom, they are also really good at cleaning the oxygen in your room um, and have some benefits with sleep and calming and things of that nature. So. I hope that this podcast was very, very helpful for you. And if you have not yet had any blood or lab work done from me to you, I am asking you to please make a point to get an appointment to have blood work done so that you can be in full command of what is happening with your body. And if there are some things that you can um, um, maybe correct with the help of your physician um, holistic person, therapist, whoever those medical, medical practitioners are, um, connect with them, um, make them a part of your team, your health team, so that you can live well. Because what we want to do on this podcast is make sure that we are centering brain health and unseen injuries. And the flow of that are so many things that impact us in the environments that we enter, uh, particularly the environment outside of our home. We want to do um, as best, the most that we can to make sure that we are rallying against um, the onset of dementia, Alzheimer's, heart disease, kidney disease, all of those chronic diseases that actually chip away at our life. So we want to take charge of that. And this podcast wants to help us do that. So speak a love language to yourself, to your brain and to your heart. Um, please incorporate or begin to incorporate or begin to practice or plan to incorporate at least a, a good seven to about nine hours, but a good seven um, at least hours of sleep so that you can optimize your brain health and your heart health. So I say to you, um, thank you so much for joining. If this is your first time watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, would love for you to join the community. Uh, that's at thereframedbrain.com. You'll get, uh, I don't overload with newsletters. You may get three to four newsletters a month, um, but exactly, you'll definitely get two a month 
but maybe three to four a month so you don't get an overload of newsletters. But I wanna keep all of us engaged so that we optimize our brain health, that we optimize our lives and we see that there's a different way that we can live and that we can do that very, very well. Thank you again. Please do like and subscribe if you're watching by YouTube and share this with a friend so that we can live well and we can live um, beautifully, one beautiful breath at a time, okay? Thank you so much for joining today. I am Erica Savage-Wilson, your brain health champion, and I will see you the first Monday in March. Be well, everyone.